You are listening to Takedowns to Breakdowns. But I would say let's kick it off with the, uh, like we just talked about, <coughs> on a scale of 1 to 10 of how sore you are, 10 being not sore, 1 being the s- Or should it be the other way? Let's flip it around. Okay. 1 being not sore at all, I'm as light and free as a butterfly, versus 10 being I am sore, my bones are broken, which one would it be for you? I would say like a six. A six. That's not bad. No, I mean, it's not. And you know what? It's not as bad as it was maybe like a half hour ago. You know, thankfully for the the post-stretching that we do. But um, I can feel like, yeah, it's a little bit tight, a little bit sore. I'm sure I'm going to be hurting in the morning. But everything else feels fine. Legs feel fine. Um, although we did a lot of... Even well, though you're complaining about all the squats, quote unquote, quote unquote squats, yeah, squats you did, just because you had to bend, like squat down and pick something up. That's so, a. So I was telling Matt because I'm just physically incapable of bending my knees. Apparently, anything past like I, I don't know. Let, let's say like 160 degree angle for me, like from completely vertical, <laughs> is considered a squat. <laughs> So a lot of a lot of knee bending going on. There today. was a lot of knee bending. Today, yes, but it was proper form. That's yeah. what it was. It was all proper form stuff. Yes, yeah. And that's that. That's what matters the most. That's what matters the most. Yeah. Um. Oh, we. Uh, why don't you follow through real quick? Because we. I don't know if we put people off with the whole end of the last episode talking about the tens unit, and me shocking you. In oh, you. that's right. Okay, yeah. So pretty much it's like a muscle stimulator, like a shock therapy type of thing. Um, it's got these two pads that you could put on different parts of your body to stimulate the muscle. And um, we have it set to do like 30-minute intervals. So you just let it do its thing for 30 minutes, and it's got uh, zero through eight for the intensity setting. I can't seem to go past like... 3.7 sometimes i could get to four um and i just work the different areas and the first time i use i mean obviously no one's thrilled you know hearing they're about to get shocked you know but honestly like if you start it very low you know you don't really feel it feel it until like two and then it's like okay it just feels like someone's like tapping their fingers on that particular muscle yeah it's actually not that bad but then you go to like 2.5 and it's a drastic jump. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know what it is? It's no pun intended. It's shocking. <laughs> but um, like, um. Yeah. Um, no, but let me tell you something. After the half hour, I feel great. Right. Like, I mean, and it's been, I, I mean, doing my, uh, actually my wife and I have been doing our mid and lower back section lately, uh, taking turns and. I mean, it just, it's been relieving pain that both of us have had for years now. You got to order new pads. Yeah. As they lose their stickiness and when you get new ones and they really apply, it just sticks deep because all parts of the pad are there. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to get the small ones and invest in the larger ones as well. Do it. They're not expensive. No, Where no, they're that? not they're at not all. expensive at all. Not expensive at all. Um, also, you should announce to the world in two weeks of committing to the diet. How much have you lost in two weeks? I've lost about 13 to 14 pounds in two weeks yeah. of not working out, by the way. So I found out today, Mr. Fuckface over here hasn't been working out outside of doing his sessions with me. And I told him, hey, you should just do bodyweight squats, just do planks as long as you can and do push ups. Turns out he hasn't been doing any of it. 
only been doing the workouts with me, but he puts in the work when he's with me. But you haven't been working out outside of it. Not working out, but... Bad boy. Yeah, no, but I will admit to um, definitely working on the stretching, though, because that that's one thing I know I have a very tough time with is just the flexibility, especially just everything with my left side. When it comes to working out, flexibility, my left side is just shot. Yeah. So... Um, well, everybody has a bad side of that makes you feel better. Uh, my right side is shot, so that makes you feel better. Yeah. My right yeah. side is... But, good. I mean, it's just kind of... I mean, the first time we, we discovered how shot, especially my shoulder was, I mean, when you're able to do, you know, overhead presses with your right and then you go to do your left, you can't even lift the weight. Yeah, you know, you're shot. Position. Like, you're like, like, that was bad. You know, it's it's understandable you can do like, okay, eight reps with one and then, okay, maybe four or five with the other. I couldn't even lift it once Yeah, with the left side, you know? you've been, Your side is really is really really bad yeah <laughs> like i'm i'm just being honest your left side is absolutely that's why i didn't even touch your right side today i was like we're just gonna get this left side up to par to be able to do stuff because if you start putting on weight like on the on lifts and you start like trying to lift and then that side's weak you can hurt yourself if this large amount of weight starts shifting because one side can't keep up right right um so yeah it's just it's something that's uh it's gonna take some time but Something that will get there. Something that will get there. So, I know you saw the co-main and the main event of UFC 227. Yes. With Henry Cejudo versus Mighty Mouse. Yep. And TJ versus Cody Garbrandt. Yep. You tell me what you thought of... Let's start with DJ. Let's start with Mighty Mouse. Demetrius, Mighty Mouse, Johnson. Let's, let's start with the greatest of all time. Let's start with that. Well, like I said, I mean, I just watching the uh, the countdown videos... I mean, just looking at the passion. First off, both these guys have passion. So when I say looking at the passion of specifically Henry, which was I, I was about to say, I mean, DJ is just, he's not even human, you know, and he did a hell of a job. It went to decision. Um, but there was just something about Henry. I just, I, I wanted him to get it. You know, especially when I talked about the last time, everything he's been through the last two years, you know, almost dying, you know, for, you know, losing his house and losing, like I said, the gold medal right. from the wrestling. And right. I mean, I feel like this was, all right, this, this is my comeback. You know, I have so much I'm fighting for. It's not even just for like a pride thing. It's, you know, I need to get some, something out of what I just been through, um, so I'm, I'm very happy with him. And you know what? DJ, he did an awesome job as always. You know, anytime Henry took him down, I mean, DJ was on the ground, what, a couple seconds, got right back up. Granby rolled right out of a oh, lot yeah. of no, stuff. It was, yeah. I mean, the entire fight was just, I mean, if anybody, if anyone were to order a pay-per-view, that was the one to order, I think. <clears throat> I mean, it was just a hell of a fight. Um, every round, um... But yeah, no, I mean, in the end, Henry was the dominant one, though, doing all the takedowns. So you and, agree with that decision? You agree with? I think he had the dominance when it came to the takedowns. Like I said, DJ also did a good job defending it, though, and getting out of them. But right. the problem is, is that it's all a point-based system. So you're getting the points for doing the takedown. Correct. You know, so. Correct. Now, a lot of people were, were bitching and moaning about the takedowns. Look, in, in collegiate wrestling, if you take somebody down and they get right back up, that's a takedown. 
doesn't matter that you didn't do anything with it. The thing I had a problem with is that I thought that he was doing a lay and pray strategy. And before you throw GSP at us, GSP is very different. GSP constantly stayed on the offensive while he was on top, constantly tried to work for submissions, constantly ground and pounded, constantly shifted to maintain that position so you couldn't get out of it. When Henry Cejudo took down DJ, uh, you saw you saw him kind of just try to nullify Mighty Mouse from escaping because he's so explosive and he's so quick. So it was right. kind of like, oh, if I go for anything, he's getting out. And you saw that because each time he tried to do something, Granby roll. And Mighty Mouse kept getting out. So I think Henry Zahudo came up with the decision to be like, you know what? If I take this guy down, I'm just going to try to smother him as much as I can and just stay out of it. Because he was getting lit up on the feet. He was getting lit the fuck up. I'm actually pulling up the stats for the striking. He got lit up. His leg got lit up. His face, he was cut. Like, now, yes, you can't judge the winner of a fight just by damage. Just by the damage you see. Because, you know. Hence the Hendrickson GSP fight. Exactly. So I don't want that to be thrown in our faces for it. But um, you can't judge it just by that. But I will say that I thought it was an extremely close decision. I think I think D, I think Mighty Mouse should have won. Okay. I think Mighty Mouse should have won. And it's based off of the points I'm going to have now when I pull up the uh Yeah, here's a perfect here's a perfect here's a perfect summary by uh David Benulos on Twitter. Suhudo got served standing up for 22 minutes while managing 3 minutes of damage-free top control where he didn't even advance a position. And he was like, the fact that any of you think that ought to be enough to take a belt of a long-standing champion is galling beyond belief. And I was like, you know what? That's And that was based off of uh, a, a quote from, from Demetrius Johnson who said, yeah, he took me down, but he didn't do anything with it. He just laid on top of me and nothing happened. So that's And on top of this, which is crazy, did you hear about his injuries? I did not. Uh, broke his foot and his tore his LCL in the third round. Henry did? No. Oh, DJ. Mighty Mouse did. Really? And he kept going. How crazy was that? Wow. Here you go. You ready for the stats? Yep. Knockdowns, zero to zero for both of them. Total strikes, 110 <laughs> by Mighty Mouse, 71 by Henry Cejudo. Okay. Total strike percentage, 61% for Mighty Mouse, 40% for Henry Cejudo. Significant strikes, 68 by Mighty Mouse, 47 by Henry Cejudo. Significant strike percentage, 50% by Demetrius, 31% by Henry Cejudo. Takedowns, 0 for Mighty Mouse, 5 for Henry Cejudo. Percentage, 0. Submission attempt, 0 for Mighty Mouse. Henry had 35% takedown advantage. So with those stats in mind... Hmm. Right? So when you look at it like that with the cold hard facts, it's kind of like... Do takedowns outweigh... Do five takedowns outweigh the amount of strikes? We're talking here, in my opinion, we're talking about 110 versus 71 strikes, 61% total strikes versus 40%, and 68% Pretty much the only thing he had the advantage of was the takedown. That's it. He had five takedowns, five out of 14 attempts. That's all he had. 50% of half of Mighty Mouse's strikes were considered significant Hmm. versus 31% by Henry Cejudo. Ooh, so do you think that was like a pity win then? I don't know. By the judges? I don't because know. Because of, again, just bringing up like his backstory the last couple years. And- I don't, I don't know. I, mm. I don't know. Um, but I will say this, that was, those are, those are the stats right now. 110 versus 71, 
61% total strikes versus 40%, 68 significant strikes versus 47%, 50% of the strikes were significant versus 31%, just from the striking. No takedowns by Mighty Mouse, five by Henry Cejudo. So that's a takedown per round versus half of your 110 total strikes are considered significant strikes. Well then. Well then. So I think Mighty Mouse won based on the numbers. Okay, based, that's fair. Did enough. it look like it? Yeah, he got taken down. Yeah, he was laid on top of. Is that a good indicator that he lost the fight? Nah, I don't think so. Hmm. I definitely don't think so. See, that's that's where I, I would like to study up on the point system when it comes the, to the UFC. Well, it's fucked. The, the point system is fucked. Yeah, the judges. Because I wonder if there's like a whole thing where like when the guy takes him down, do they determine how many seconds depends on how many extra points you get know. how often do you hear like the mma heads talking about this you, you, with luke thomas and joe rogan and yeah brendan schaub you hear yeah. uh, you hear everybody complaining about it yeah you, you have everybody from mma fighting um and bloody elbow talking about like how fucked the refing is and how crazy it is that the, these decisions occurred hmm. these points occurred now yeah is it opinion it is opinion because guess what if you go online look how many people are debating for both yeah. Look how many people are saying, no, Henry Cejudo totally took it from him. He had the right game plan, blah, blah, blah. And other people are like, here are the numbers. Mighty Mouse fucking beat him. One takedown per round with no submission attempts and no like ground and pound advantage from that doesn't equal a successful or victorious takedown. Hmm. Like, uh, takedown, a victorious win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I take you down and I do nothing to hurt you and I just lay on top of you and I can just... I just scramble to lay on top of you for a round. Or not a whole round, not even. Like like a portion of the time for five rounds each round. And then you hit me 110 times. And you fucking hurt me. Half well, half of those strikes are heavy as shit. Cut me up. Bust my leg. Buckle my foot. <laughs> like. Well, again, look at GSP and Hendrix. <clears throat> okay, yeah. difference. Difference, in my opinion, in that one, GSP had the numbers. Did he get clocked? He got clocked a bunch. But you know, if he threw three and he took one and that one hurt, but he threw three, technically the numbers are there. Yeah. Now, if Johnny threw ten strikes the entire fight and there were all significant strikes, versus GSP throwing a hundred strikes and maybe twenty of them were significant, or not even. No, I'm just thinking of like takedown attempts too, which Johnny defended most of them if not all of them he did he did I, I think it comes down to and that's why octagon control is a point that they that they judge i was just gonna say like because wouldn't in that scenario does johnny get the points for that for defending it okay hmm. yes right yeah right i mean not to mention he was also using yeah, During so that fight anyways, but regardless. Right, so basically scoring is judged like kind of like boxing because that's where it gets from, right? But they judge yeah. it by overall damage as the number one scoring criteria. So the overall damage in this case with Demetrius Johnson is Demetrius Johnson. He did the overall damage. Right. If they sustained an equal amount of damage or is too close to call, then you judge based on effective striking, which he also outbeat him on, and grappling, which Henry Cejudo had. If striking and grappling are equal, you move on down the list to octagon control, aggression, and effective defense. And then fouls and points, you take away shit. So, with that being said, Mighty Mouse still wins. Yeah. <laughs> so, this was a fucking robbery. Yeah. And to be honest, true. I don't know if you saw the after show, the after, the, the 
post-fight interview. Uh, that I didn't. But long story short, Mighty Mouse is the classiest guy ever. And he, uh, he was just like, yeah, you know, he beat me. He did, he came in. He did he did great. And uh, yeah, he beat me. And everybody was like, so what's up with you? And he's like, man, I just want to go home. Like, I've missed my all my kids' births and, and I hope to be there for this one. I broke my foot and like my LCL's torn. Like, I, I know I'm fucked up right now. I think it was funny because they're like, you're going to get the immediate rematch. You're like the greatest champion of all time. You need to get back in there because you deserve it. And he hasn't said anything about a rematch. And I think it's because secretly he's kind of like, I just want to heal and be with my family and play Twitch and play on Twitch. And I'm going to do that for a little bit. I'll because honestly play on Twitch. Yeah, he's a streamer. He's a Twitch streamer. No shit. Like a gamer. Yeah, he's huge. He's sponsored. No shit. You I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. I had no clue. Oh, I'm going to have dude. to look him up now. Come on, dude. You're a fucking gamer. Yeah. Well, and an MMA is, fan. You know what? I'm not into... I've oh, never gotten into God. Twitch. I'm, I've always... You. I'm I'm an old school YouTube guy, oh, I guess. dare you. You are old He's school. He's really a Twitch streamer. I had My, no idea he was doing that on the side. Mighty Mouse UFC. Yeah, that's his Twitch stream. Oh, shit. Yeah. And he fucking... He wants to become a full, full-time video game streamer. He's getting close. Really? Yep. Yep. He's uh. Well, I guess he could fucking retire with the money he's got. He streams about fifteen hours a week. Wow. Yep. He brings like uh. He brings a, a gaming setup with him. He plays a lot of games. Huh. Yeah. He's fucking yeah, dude. He's huge. Wow. Um. Anyways. Yeah. The scoring i think he's he's i think mighty mouse is kind of secretly like you know what i don't gotta worry about being champion i don't gotta worry about all the talk about what i do for my pay-per-views and my and my numbers i don't gotta worry about another defense like somebody wants to take it from me i don't gotta worry about super fight shit i can be there for my wife finally when she gives birth i can be there to help out around the house with the kids because she has two other kids and he gets to heal up and he gets to play video games i think he's secretly trying to be like no 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 i gotta heal he had a great game he had a great match like great game plan it was awesome i think he's kind of like move it along it's henry's time i'm cool with being on the back burner because everybody keeps asking henry cejudo about who are you ready for the rematch for the trilogy and he's like i'm gonna take on tj dillashaw and all this other shit i'm the new champion yeah blah blah and then they turn to mighty mouse and mighty mouse is just like yeah i just want to go home like, <laughs> like i think he's i i personally think mighty mouse is very relieved to be able to say like you know what it's whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna I got he was the highest paid fighter on that on that fight card of UFC two twenty seven. He's like, I just wanna I can recover while I kick off my hopefully retirement like plan of playing Twitch mm-hmm. thirty hours a week. I get to be there with my wife when she gives birth and I get to be with my two kids that I love. Life awesome. is good. Yeah. Like life is not bad when you look at it that way <laughs> for a guy like that. Yeah. Like, think about the stress that came off. Like, GSP retired. Like, we went on hiatus because of the fucking stress. Like, I know Mighty Mouse seems like a pretty well-composed dude, and I think he is. But I think he's pretty okay with being like, you know what? Henry's going to have his time. We'll let this all fucking do its thing. And if he wants to do super fights with TJ Dillashaw, whatever. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I'll heal up. I'll be back in a year or two. I honestly think he's out for a year. Maybe more. I think he recovers, which is going to take probably four months. And then after that, I think he's going to take care of the kids, which will be maybe another four months. And then he'll actually start training again, hardcore, which will be another four months. And by then, you're already past the halfway point of a year. And then when he actually gets to book and schedule a fight, then you're going to have, what, a three, four-month fight camp? I think he's out for a year. And I think he's totally happy with it. I think in his mind, 
the second he was walking out the octagon, he's like, cool, I got a year off. <laughs> That's what I think. He was like, yeah, it sucks that I'm injured, but I get to be with my wife. Yeah. Get to be with my family. I get to play video games with what I hope to be my full-time job when I retire. I'm okay. I get to heal. I have a lot of injuries. So I don't think it's a big deal with with the decision. I'm actually not that upset, and I don't think he is either for that reason. I think he's maybe a little miffed because he knows, like, hey, come on, like, let's look at the numbers. I fucking... Yeah. And what's with everybody? They get a title, and now it's like, oh, I want to face another challenger that's a completely different... Because Conor McGregor did it, and Conor McGregor is yeah, getting paid I lots know. of money, and everybody wants to get paid lots of money yeah, because but... they don't get paid a lot in the UFC. I just hope it doesn't get to that point where Dana's just like, yeah, we're going to do it. He has been. He has been. I know. GSP went up and fought Michael Bisping. Yeah. GSP's now in talks to fight Anderson Silva or drop down and face whoever wins between Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov. I know. I thought he had to defend the title. He gave it up. Oh, Me- remember? Because right after the fight, he was like, I have colitis. And then all the stories came out of how he was pretty much deep, like shitting himself all the way up to fight night and how he was losing weight and he had stomach pains. Huh. Yeah interesting so that's why that's why like within like a week of him winning it he was like i'm giving it up i can't fight for a while probably eight months to more at least oh wow because he has to worry about his diet can he eat can he fluctuate his weight properly then it turned into can i train with this injury then it was can i take hits like with this injury john danaher on the uh rogan podcast the joe rogan experience he was saying or was it no it was for us a hobby or it was john no it was john john danaher john was saying how when they were in england they were having breakfast and George just got up by himself and went off and he was gone for a while and they were all eating breakfast and whatever. And then everybody was starting to leave because they were done. And then, then George came back and it was just John and George. And John was like, I knew something was wrong because I know George very well and I knew something was off. So I asked him, I was like, is everything all right? And George was just like, yeah, everything's fine. I'm good. It's all good. Just nerves. And John was like, you sure? You sure you're okay? And, GSP just played it off. It was like, mm. no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm ready. I'm excited to fight and win, and I'm ready for this. John was like, okay. Then the second was over. I was like, okay, by the way, I've been, like, bleeding from the ass for the past three months, and I don't know why. Oh, and they were like, what? And he was like, I don't want to cancel the fight. This is a huge fight. It's a huge deal that they did this for me. I couldn't, I couldn't cancel. They're like, okay, you're going to the hospital now. And then the second he got to the hospital, they're like, oh, you have colitis. Like, your stomach oh, is fucked. Shit. Your intestines are fucked. <laughs> Like Brock Lesnar had a uh, diverticulitis and they had to take out like half of his intestines. Wow. I don't know if you remember that. Cause then Brock Lesnar came back and fought a juiced up Alistar over him who fucking kicked his liver, kicked his fucking stomach into pieces and he crumbled. Yeah, yeah exactly. So they do it because it makes money and it's something to talk about. And also when it came to mighty mouse, Everybody wanted Mighty Mouse to move up and fight a higher weight class in order to really see how well he could do. So Cejudo just picked up on that mantle and was like, I'm going to be a two-division champ too. I'm going to pick up the mantle and do it for the 125. Hmm. I'm going to go to 135 and make it happen. Now, where do you see the future of this sport? What do you mean? Like MMA? Like UFC? Do you feel like it's just going to become the WWE? No can't because you can't make outcomes i just feel like i don't know when people do that it's it's more about pride than passion you can't control the outcome you can't control in a real fight what happens crazy shit happens yeah you can't 
You just can't. Or if they did, Ronda would have never lost a second time. Yeah. You know? Hmm. If they did, Connor would have never gone over to fight Mayweather. Or, you know what? Actually, no, that's a good thing. That kind of elevated Connor. So, yeah, that's fine. But they would have done a lot of things to change it. They wouldn't have let Chuck Liddell get loopy and fucking get knocked around for the final two years. Well, technically, that was Chuck wanting to do that and Dana pleading with him to not fight anymore. Yeah. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have let BJ Penn to come back to get fucking starched by Yair Rodriguez. No, it wouldn't become the WWE. Is it kind of like it now with the amount of shit talking they try to do? Because it's just, it's the Connor game. It's Connor McGregor's world and everybody wants to be like him because he gets yep. paid. That's it. That's it. It That's the bottom fucking line. I don't think it's that, that, that unique no. to say that it would become the WWE. I think it's more just, it's, it's what sells right now, man. It's what fucking sells. That's why they do it. Drama. Drama. It's drama. I mean, it's America. The, the the fun drama that we have is is the fight outcome. Like I think Mighty Mouse should have won. You said that Henry Cejudo should have won. Like that's a lot of people out there. A lot of people in the MMA world are saying that. I I my prediction is Mighty Mouse takes a year off. He comes back, and by then I don't think Henry Cejudo. Uh, I think Henry Cejudo will still be champion. I think especially when he fought the number two guy Sergio Pettis, mm-hmm. we saw how much more Henry Cejudo is above the majority of the division. I don't think anybody really gives him a run for his money unless TJ Dillashaw drops down or Cody Garbrandt drops down or if Henry Cejudo moves up. And mm. that brings us to TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt. And speaking of. Yes. What did you think of that fight? Because, <sighs> again, my guy, the well, one I, the one I wanted to win anyways, ended up winning again. <laughs> I, I forgot who I said was going to win that fight. Oh, I you, was, you were very pro Cody, I think, for both. Yeah. I think I was yeah. Cody. I think I was Cody. Because I was expecting a trilogy match being set up. Yeah. If Cody yeah. if Cody won, and that would be big drama show, big pay time. Yeah. Uh, I think... I think you saw... I think you saw a... A... Non-evolved version of Cody Garbrandt. Okay. That final sequence, or not the final sequence, yeah, the beginning of that final sequence when TJ like knocks him down. Yep. And then they're scrambling, and then he gets his back, and he starts. He's in. He's like suitcase fucking wailing on him, and then he gets up to the fence, and he throws a muay thai knee, and then he keeps wailing on him. That started because, and you you've watched the sequence in slow mo. TJ Dillashaw also said this in a post fight interview. He knew he was like whenever he swings because he wants to knock people out. He swings fast, but he drops his left hand with his hooks. He drops his guard on his hooks. He doesn't throw up high, or he doesn't, uh, I'm sorry, guard up high. His guard drops because he, he wants to whip it, and he does, and it's just his his hand drops. And you see, if you watch the sequence, Cody Garbrandt's wailing with his right hand. He's trying to do three hooks in succession to catch TJ, who's right in the pocket. Yeah. And TJ, each time, is coming under and, tr- and hitting him back with the right and they, they both keep throwing right hooks because Cody's like, this is my thing. I'm going to hit him. And TJ is like, I know this right side's open because I know Cody and I can see it. And that's when he finally hit the third hook. And that was the flush because he had because Cody's hand was down. And okay. that's what knocked Cody down. And then after the fight, TJ was like, yeah, I know he drops his left on his hooks. I know he drops his guard when he throws his hooks. He likes to throw right left or left right. Usually bought like low high or high low or yeah. Yep. Or, but he regardless, his hooks come in pairs. 
and both pairs have dropped guards and he caught it so he knew it so that's not only like good coaching and teaching but that's also just that's good fight iq that he knew right. if i get in the pocket and bait him he'll throw the hook and then i can come in and hit him with my hook yep. that's good fight iq that's tj dillashaw continuing to evolve we did not see that from Cody Garbrandt because Cody Garbrandt did exactly what TJ Dillashaw said. Yep. And that fucking happened. So I was disappointed in Cody for that. Um, Cody's what, 25, 26? It goes to show that even though he's in phenomenal shape and I still think that he wrecks the majority of the rest of the division, yeah. if not all. I mean, he proved it. He wrecks the rest of the division. Yeah, yeah. TJ Dillashaw is going to be his... John Crypt, Jones. Yeah. It's going to be a John. His, he's DC and that's a John Jones. And yep. I don't think he's going to be able to beat TJ unless he drastically changes the small intricate details of how he fights. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which should be something that his coaching staff t- does. But I don't know. You're talking about a guy, a self-proclaimed greatest in the division of all time, which I don't think is the case. I think TJ Dillashaw is very close to that, but he needs to be Dominic Cruz and, 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 considerable fashion cody garbrandt literally goofed dominic cruz i for remember five that rounds, fight and that yep. was incredible tj dillashaw needs to beat he hasn't beaten dominic cruz or maybe he did no i think he's lost every time hmm. i'm pretty sure he's lost every time and the last time they fought dominic got the belt from him i know it was a close close split like arguable decision but he didn't beat dominic cruz he needs to beat Dominic Cruz to be the greatest. And if he beats Dominic Cruz, we can talk about it. But he can't be saying that. Yeah. Um, I think I thought that fight was a good showcase to show to to good showcase to show. It was a good showcase to to detail how like Cody's areas of opportunity. Like the the areas he needs to grow um from a striking perspective. But that's the thing though. The bar of striking is only against TJ. And I think a part of it is a part of it because TJ is good. Yes. Is it is it not good? Is it part because TJ is a great fighter with great fight IQ and athleticism and technique? Yes. Is it because he has great coaching and great mentorship and partnership with uh, Dwayne Lugwood? Yes. But is a part of it also because they train together as partners and friends for years? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That's why you don't see TJ Dillashaw looking perfect against Dominic Cruz. You see him look perfect against Cody Garbrandt because he knows him. Yeah. You know, he knows his style. He knows his flaws inside and out because they trained. Mm-hmm. That's it. So to say like, oh, that's the reason why you should be considered the greatest of that division of all time. Nah. Yeah, no. I don't go that far. What did you think? Again, it just, I, I mean, again, congrats to both because Cody was definitely throwing some really fast and powerful combos. I mean, although most of the time they didn't hit, they still looked good. Um, but I think TJ was definitely on his game. And again, just watching the countdown video, man, that intense training he was doing, uh, getting ready for this fight. I mean, it definitely showed, uh, I think he did a lot better than their first fight for sure. He was definitely more dominant. Um, and I was just rooting for him to begin with because to, to be quite honest, this whole drama between them and Uriah, like. I think it was just bullshit. It's just a bunch of, it's like listening to a bunch of kids, you know, like, oh, you're not with our group anymore. So, man, you're a traitor. Like, come on, man, just grow up. The guy's trying to grow and, you know, get better and grow within his career and his martial arts capabilities, like at least support him. You know, I mean, 
again, I, I'm not. I don't know the small details of like the back and forth banter, but I, I don't know either because I know Dwayne was a coach at Team Alpha Male, and that's when Dwayne left, and that's when TJ went with him because yeah. Paige Van Zant left Team Alpha Male as well, and they said no beef with her. Yeah, is it because she's a very marketable? People consider her very pretty, kind of model type fighter for the ufc and for team alpha male like representative style mm. i guess but maybe she was just open and she handled it better i don't know why but she left and everything was fine and as tj put it too you know he's not the only fighter that has gone from camp to camp to camp although you and i discussed this the last time you know people see martial arts specialists like specifically for muay thai taekwondo or whatever you know, whereas he went with just a completely different coach for MMA. And you know what he did with this one? Even though Dwayne Ludwig is known as being like a striking savant, he worked with uh, Vasily Lomachenko, the oh. boxer, and he worked with his. He worked on his boxing with them. Okay. So he didn't even just stick to Dwayne Ludwig. He was like, "I'm going to go work on my boxing with possibly the greatest boxer yeah. of our generation." I mean, I'm I'm all for fighters that are willing to go through that, and yeah. you know. And train by, with the best. And by the way, thinking about it, since we talked about it on one of the podcasts, I, I actually think doing it that old school style, GSP style of I'm going to go to individual schools. Yep. Like, because I think of Aaron Pico and how insanely good he is mm-hmm. at such a young age. And it's because he just wrestled and then he just boxed. And it's just like, just you have just, on one. You just concentrated on one. You excelled at it. You moved on to the next one and then you excelled at it. Now right. you excel at two things and you fucking kick ass. Because yep. I try to think of people who are dominant from like from MMA camps and that's all they did. Can't really think of much. Jack of all trades, masters of none. Yeah, but you, but you can't, they're good. They're oh, good. Oh yeah. But like if, the job done, but, but I mean. But if you think of a lot of them, again, going, not to you know beat this episode into that because we already did this kind of did this talk in another episode but i think personally sticking starting in an mma school and sticking in mma school is not the way to do it i think you got to start in muay thai or start in boxing or start in wrestling or start in yeah. kickboxing or start in karate or taekwondo and mm-hmm. that builds you up i mean that builds us up to the point of what i was going to talk about for um the next ufc event which is going to be technically I, i'm not looking at fight night or any of these other things. I'm looking at pay-per-views. Uh, Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till. I don't okay. know. If, I don't know if you know Darren Till very well, but he is a motherfucker. He is huge. He f- uh, did you see him versus Stephen Thompson? Uh, no. I thought actually. I think I saw highlights of them. He's fucking huge. Yeah. That's a huge fight. That's a huge fight. But that goes that goes again. Tyron Woodley has a background. Actually, as a that was the whole thing with the the kicks to the knees, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, I did. And that yeah. was that was uh, so. Tyron Woodley is a wrestler. He that's his foundation, but he's an explosive knockout boxer. You know what I mean? And that's going up against Darren Till, who's this incredible Muay Thai fighter, incredible Muay Thai fighter, and that's cool because that's their wishing styles again you know like the more you break it down the more you realize oh we're seeing like styles happening here we're seeing yep. like talk about khabib versus mcgregor that is a style that is a wrestling takedown style versus a striking stand-up style like yep. that's gonna be a style matchup and those are the fun ones you know yeah. at ufc 229 it's gonna be fun with those two that's gonna be very entertaining that's why you know you have a fight like Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz, that's so fun. Because they're both... I mean, don't get me wrong. The Diaz brothers are murderers on the mat when it comes to jiu-jitsu. But Mm -hmm. they're super fun to watch standing up. 
Um, I want to get your opinion, though. Just step away from the world of the UFC and Bellator with their Grand Prix that's coming, which is going to be fucking sick with MVP and, and Paul Daly that just that are now lined up to fight. Um, you touched on it once, and I, I wanted to ask you about it more, but we never got into it. You talked about what it means to be a martial artist for a lifestyle, and you meant that by beyond what you do in a cage or a dojo. You were talking about the integrity and character of how somebody is as a martial Spirituality artist. Spirituality. Yes. Yeah. So with that being said, I wanted to get your opinion on Greg Hardy. Do you know about Greg Hardy? No, not familiar. Greg Hardy is a, uh, he's a former NFL player okay. um, who is now fighting on uh, the Tuesday Night Contender Series show for the UFC, trying to get a UFC contract. He is very special because he's a gigantic heavyweight. He's a very talented athlete, but also he's received a lot of criticism for being convicted on domestic violence charges. So with that being said, a lot of people were saying, we don't want to see this garbage in MMA. You're feeding the stereotype of fucking meatheads getting in the cage and fighting and not seeing martial artists, which... People never elaborate on. They just say martial artists. And that implies the integrity and character and spirituality of maturity versus domestic violence and all this other shit. And you know what? He's not the worst person who's ever done MMA. There's a lot of fucking shitheads who've been professional fighters that have done horrible fucking things. But I wanted to get your opinion on a situation like that. where So, okay. Is he kind of like a Kimbo slice where his style was literally brawling? Or d- does this guy have a traditional nothing? He was just, I'm a football player. I want to fight. I'm not going to play football anymore. So I'm- we can assume brawling because there's no way he's going to have but some he's, sort of. But he's actually boxing. That Okay. All right. He's not so, from a boxing school or a dojo. No but grappling, like, wrestling experience. Not that we've seen. Okay. He's just been knocking motherfuckers out. I'm going to consider out. him a brawler. He's been knocking motherfuckers out. Yeah, I'm going to consider him a brawler like a Kimbo Slice because that's what he was considered. That was his style, brawling. Okay. Literally. Okay. Um, what do I think about that? Well, I mean, is he still the same person as he was when he had all this domestic violence stuff? I don't know. I don't know the guy. Because I, I want to know how long ago... Did these things 2014? He was commit. He was convicted okay, on domestic long. charges in 2014. He asked for an appeal for a jury trial. The case against him was thrown out by a judge who, who, when then alleged victim stopped cooperating with the prosecutors. The prosecutor said there was a financial agreement in place between Hardy and the alleged victim. Okay, so somebody got paid off. My thing is though, after this incident, yes. did he? sit down really think like i gotta turn my life around is he doing like i mean from what you told me clearly he isn't he's just going in here to beat people up because i was gonna ask you know is this guy like meditating is he like trying to change his life change his attitude and i think he just wants to he just wants to kick ass he likes to fight and he wants to fight and he's well he's not a martial art he's a talented athlete yeah no he's not a martial artist he's just a brawler you could take a boxing you know, boxing is a martial art, but so what defines a martial artist? Like I said, it's just it's it's a plethora of things, man. I, like I said, m- mainly, you know, you it's not even just about having the physique and being able to do it. It's the passion. It's the spirituality. It's getting in, into the that Zen, you know, and just living your day to day life with these guidelines as to in understanding 
the art because it is an art. It's an art form with your body and dis- distributing energy, you know, and controlling it. And, you know, you have – that's why uh, it, the, the whole cliche thing like you'll see in a movie, right? It's like, all right, now you're a black belt. I taught you this style so that you can ne- – so that hopefully you'll never use it. You right. know what I mean? And that goes for anything because it's like – it's like going for a gun permit. Like, you go, you get your gun permit, whatever, so that hopefully you would never have to use it. You know, but you understand it. You understand the dangers. You understand the safety of it. You understand its purpose. And I feel like it's just a mental thing, really, martial arts in general. So. So this guy is not a martial artist. Because of that, he's just a brawler. So he who's just wants a to be so so? Who who's a mar- GSP is excluded because we know he's a fucking martial artist. Who would you say is a martial artist in today's UFC uh, world? Machida. Um, I would say he's also the obvious guys who wear geese to the fucking octagon <laughs> are excluded from your selection. <laughs> yeah, because that's a those are givens. Those guys are givens that they live and die by the yeah. martial arts. I mean, I would say him. I would say, um, I want to. You know, I really don't know what he so does I'll, in his downtime. I was going to say maybe McGregor. But I feel like he's just, you know, he's all about pride, you know, and I get it. True. But, yeah, does he train? Yeah, but does he live a martial artist, like, lifestyle? To, to Well, f- so first, before I address the McGregor thing, I'm going to say my modern-day martial artist is Rose Namajunas. That, okay, that's fair. She's very mindful. She's very spiritual. She's, she's constantly... And by the seeking- way, shame on me. I never even think to think of the women in the UFC. That's terribly sexist well you're a fucking piece of shit that's why <laughs> so i think of rose namayunas mainly because as a champion i think she embodies a lot of what it means to be a martial artist just her perspective her lifestyle um i think i think it's very i think it fits your description very well to answer the mcgregor thing uh um coach kavanaugh said in an interview about mcgregor um they were saying like has connor been training he was like, you guys don't know this, but Connor trains all the fucking time. Like, I know he posts pictures of the yacht or him, like, <laughs> driving the cars or doing those things. But we don't realize is that, like, and this was actually really funny. He was, I think he was being interviewed by Brett Okamoto. But he was saying, uh, Connor has always been the guy who always showed up at the dojo every day and blasting rap music, 90s hip hop and getting out of his shitty, his shitbox car. Yeah. The only difference is that now he shows up in a fucking, like, <laughs> like exotic sports car yeah yeah. but he still shows up every day and he trains his ass off and then nobody really sees it but but now let me ask you when they specify training is it just working out working on the body or is he working on martial arts like the katas and re keeping the forms like katas like fresh in his mind and going over basics so so first so first of all yes he does a lot of that okay there's a lot of infamous training videos of him just doing sidekicks or doing roundhouse kicks on a wall like like a body conditioning and stuff yeah he does a lot of he surprisingly does a lot of traditional stuff and and one of one of the documentaries he was saying he, he was just all you like all you fucks need fancy gyms i don't need no fancy gym i need a room he's like i just need a room that's it give me space and i can train um 
do you think you have to have katas to be training martial arts? Do you think katas, katas are a definition of martial arts? They're not. Okay, so katas pretty much are great refreshers for your forms and techniques. Right. They are absolutely necessary, I, I believe, in my opinion, especially when you're doing combos of moves, right? So, like, in karate, you go to do, like, a reverse punch or a jab and then a kick, and then you switch sides. and It's trying to get those combos... Uh, uh, you're trying to do those strikes accurately, trying to get the form correct. You know, obviously, when you're in a, a street fight, you're not going to... When you're in a fight in general. Yeah, obviously, yeah. you're not going to, you know, okay, you know, punch, kick. <laughs> like, ha, ta, yeah. Ta. No, it's definitely a, a uh, like a meditation. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. So when I think of katas, I think of technically everything. It's yoga is a kata. I, oh, yeah. Yoga is a martial art against yourself. And that's what I told my friend Levi. Like, because he's, he's... Oh, I like that, actually. He's yeah. super deep in yoga and he loves it. And I told him, I said, hey, yoga is really difficult because it's a martial art and you fight yourself. It's a martial art against every ounce of your being, your composure, your flexibility, your mobility, your muscles, your... Literally, your... your, your your structure, it's your skeleton. Yeah. You're fighting your skeleton. Like, there's a lot of reason why people don't like doing it. The people are just, oh, I went to yoga. It was fine. It's not, it's not overly difficult. It's not overly too difficult to do. But you find people never running back to it. And it's because there's a lot. It's a constant mo. It's a constant tension of fighting yourself in every single moment. Yeah. We're gonna go to Warrior Two. Okay, this hurts. We're gonna go to Chaturanga. Upward dog, downward dog. We're going to come back up. We're going to do like up pose. I'm going to do tree. Yeah. Now let's go back to warrior one. We're going to transition from that to board. It's nonstop just fighting yourself, fighting yep. your body. Yeah. So to me, yoga is absolutely a form of a type of martial art. But I think just, I think, so maybe when you say kata, I just think of, <laughs> I think of like the, the, Bruce Lee movies where there's always a, like rows upon rows of guys and geese just going yeah 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 just and I think of just yeah. that as being a kata when you say kata in martial arts but it, I think about it there's katas all the time yeah. in jujitsu you're just working on like I don't know can opening you're just working on transitioning that's a kata you're, you're drilling a move down like you're you, in boxing you're working on shoulder rolls and you're working on punch combos on the bag yeah. those are katas you know, like, there's katas everywhere. Yeah. Everything is technically a kata on some level. So, I think it's just because I think of kata, I think of what what we've done, what, like, the, like, a, a set, like, a kata set. See, well, that's yeah. what I was going to say. I believe it's a combination of different moves, a kata. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like with that example, like, you know, what, exactly like a Bruce Lee movie, you just see them in the horse stance just punching, and there's like 500 guys in a <laughs> uniform. That's just a drill. I consider that just a drill, doing a punching drill. Right. You know, when you're doing repetitive, you know, the same thing over and over until your sensei or whoever tells you to stop. But kata to me is a combination of moves. So, like I said, like a punch, kick, block, turn you know what then you you know yeah you know what's crazy and you know i'm you know i'm in somewhat good shape oh right? yeah when i do striking drills in class and i'm i'm told we're gonna do side kicks down side kicks back we're gonna do one two in roundhouse one two roundhouse that destroys me and it's cr- really yes 
It is so tiring for me. I've never done that. Well, what I've done actually, yeah, because technically you never really did striking. No, it's always been grappling. Yeah, it's always been. Yeah, yeah, you could throw an elbow here, but then you want to get the arm. You want to throw this down, put the foot behind, transfer with your hip, fall on top. You know, push the wrist in, rotate the sh- rotate the elbow, get the shoulder. Like it's all been grappling. It's always been grappling. Yeah, it's not not a lot of striking, but now it's been like. We're going to do a one, two, and then we're going to do a reverse front kick to a side kick. Yeah, and yeah. Do... See, for me, it was the opposite because <laughs> I wasn't used to like getting my wrist twerked this way and, you know, yeah, the, yeah. you know, getting thrown on the ground or just the simple break fall exercise, you know, just uh, doing the four different types of falls, you know, it that was just all just very new to me. I was just doing kicking drills on the bag uh, last class, and I was just... Ooh, I was out. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh fuck. Like I was doing it, and I can do it, but it takes so much out of me. Yeah. And it's it, it's crazy to me how much it takes out of me. I'm just it just blows my mind. I'm just shocked. I think you would benefit if you took up uh, taekwondo for sure. Oh, I I would love taekwondo for my hips. I would mm. love taekwondo. In my younger days, man. I mean, I I even have best kicking. Believe it or not, I know I I don't show it now, but I was actually the best kicker. You have in my in my class. You have a and lot I have of patches to show it. You still have flexibility. Well, you just don't have the strength to reach that. Like when you do assisted stretching, yeah, you can actually get surprisingly far. Yeah, considering you haven't you haven't stretched like that in a while. And yeah. when I do it, it's just yeah. wow. You actually have a lot of mobility here. You don't have the strength to enable it, but the range of motion's there. Yeah. So. It's not that far. It's yeah. not that far. Yeah, there was a point in my life, man, where it wasn't even about punching. Like, I was just a kicker. I love to kick. Yeah? Yeah. So with that being said, when it comes to you martial artists, do you define an MMA fighter from an MMA school only a martial artist? I have to say... What, what are they a martial artist of? Well, again, yeah, I mean... Of MMA. Well, okay, let's... Here's the thing. Again, MMA just means mixed martial arts. So you're taking upwards to, what, three or four different styles and somewhat combining it. But in a sense, you're still training on each thing separately. So you're going to learn a little bit of, you know, BJJ for, you know, during this time, you guys are going to roll on the ground, kind of grapple a little bit. And then you're going to do some Muay Thai knees and elbows for a little bit more. Then you're going to hit the bag, you know, do some kicks, a little bit of kickboxing. You know what I mean? So you're – it's not – I don't know. It you now that I think about it, I don't think there's really any like katas that I'm aware of in MMA where maybe I could be wrong, you know, maybe they do like all right, you're going to do strike strike here and then you're going to like roll on the ground. Well, they drill. They they would you it, know? it would be like we're going to do a double jab, pump fake to a takedown and then yeah. you drill that. They they drill moves. It's yeah. technically My whole you thing that is like because I mean, what do you call a martial artist that spends Five years doing Taekwondo, five years doing Muay Thai, five years... A martial artist. Right. Because they're training individual arts. So technically, if they spent 15 years just doing MMA and they're getting a little bit of everything... Then they're a martial artist. My whole thing, though, is what is their purpose? Because if you're doing it... To be in good health. Okay. To have self-defense. That's that's fair enough. I think MMA is also a lifestyle, though. You know, and I don't want well, martial people, artists is a lifestyle. But what I was getting at is I don't want people having this um, idea that MMA is strictly cage fighting because that's not true. Uh, MMA, MMA schools are in that. See, but if, that, if you go to an MMA school, it's going to be 
Not everyone, though. Not every single one. But they do promote that as if, oh, you're going to be the next guy in the UFC or Bellator or, you know, whatever. Um, And I think when people go to those schools, that's what they expect. But I feel like there are some people, hopefully, maybe like 10% of that crowd that goes there, you know what? I'm understanding uh, how this style works, how this style works. I understand it. I know the safety. I know the dangers of it. You know, they, it becomes a lifestyle to them. They're not out there trying to pick fights just to show off. You no, know? and I, no, I don't think MMA people do. But, yeah. it, but I think... I think you are thinking of the image of MMA fighters from like the 90s because I think that's what you were surrounded no, by. No, well, again, rehashing <laughs> something we spoke about on another podcast, though, because of how cage fighting in general, not ju- even just UFC, but all these other companies have become largely popular since, you know, the early mid i I'm talking like the Randy Couture days, you know, like right. early 2000s, mid 2000s, and you know, when it was on Spike TV and, you know, it's like it was just becoming familiar to newer audiences. And now it's like, if not the biggest sport, probably the biggest sport right now besides like football or whatever, you know. Um, right. I mean, it's up there now. Yes. And it grew massively within the last 10 years, I, I would say. Yes, it's been huge. And yeah. with the help of Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor, yeah. It's... And also, a lot more of these schools have opened up since then, and a lot yes. more people have... Not that Brazil, there aren't there weren't any Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools or Muay Thai schools before this, but I'm just saying there's a lot more students now. There's a lot more people interested in doing this right. from influences like the UFC and Bellator. Yes, so my whole thing is like, are these people just doing it because it's like, oh my god, these guys are great. They they could beat the crap out of anybody. It's a like I said, and then it's like it's in a cage, you know. It's giving you this perception. Like in my opinion, it's this underground, like secret, like fight club type of thing. You know what I mean? It gives. It's just that image, but. You know, I feel like a lot more people now are trying to strive towards that. Like, oh, I'm going to be the next, like, Conor McGregor or whoever, and I'm going to do this and beat people up. I definitely think there's a, there, and we we should get like Chet or somebody else back on. Like, there's a weird divide, and we touched base on this. And this podcast was almost founded on this on this whole situation. Traditional martial arts and modern martial arts, being MMA, there is a strong divide. That doesn't look that big until you get close to it, and then you realize like, oh, there's a huge divide. There's a, or vice versa. It looks huge. You get close, and it's not that big. But there's a definite divide there that you wouldn't expect in a world like martial arts. You would mm-hmm. think in a world of martial arts, everybody would be on board, kind of like any sport. With the sport of basketball, anybody who plays basketball, it's awesome, right? Slam dunk contest, three on three, half court, NBA, college. But then the WNBA became a thing. And that became a struggle for them to gain popularity, to gain acceptance in the basketball community. Why? Just because girls were playing it? Yeah, that's it. That was the one factor that was different. We're going to give a lot of attention to the girls playing the sport. That was it. And that put a, that was a fucking divide. Was it a big divide? For some people, when you got to it, you thought, oh, this is not a big deal. Then you got close. You was like, what the fuck is this? And then for other people, it was, whoa, that's a huge thing. And then you got close. It was like, oh, no, it's basketball. Mm. That's not a big divide. I think it's it's the same thing across the board for a lot of things, for a lot of sports. It's, it's just this is martial arts version of it. There's a lot of traditional martial artists. There's especially like on Twitter yeah. that, that retweet me or that tweet at me about 
and their kung fu schools or their like traditional schools over for some reason a lot of people in europe follow me um there's there's a lot of it's almost like the the unrepresented class the unrepresented minority in today's world in today's spotlight on martial arts is Mm. the traditional martial arts which is weird because like you said it's all mma it's all bjj it's all just those two things popping up everywhere you don't see kung fu popping up everywhere you don't see aiki jujitsu or aikido or or anything else popping up like that you don't see that very often right you don't see that and and that's i think a part of this divide Hell, you don't even see a lot of Muay Thai schools opening up. Yeah, no. You know, no. you don't. You, you you kind of see you kind of see kickboxing opening up, but yeah. kickboxing is more of a of a fitness idea because it it's a, kicks your ass as a workout. But there's the thing where, well, one of my friends, JP, his uh, his girlfriend was was telling me she picks up kickboxing. So my immediate thing was, as a martial artist, are you doing fitness kickboxing or are you doing like a kickboxing school? And she was like, "What do you mean?" So I had to explain. Well kickboxing is a fantastic workout so it's it could be a workout oriented kickboxing like school yeah or it's a kickboxing school where you're wrapping your hands and feet and getting in a ring and she's mm-hmm. like oh we're not fucking doing that I was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was saying okay that's fine i, I said but i i have things if you want to like kick or shit or punch yeah. or like i got gear too we could we could have fun i think we just live in a world now where everybody needs stuff quick you know everything has to be quick high speed internet you know we have to get here from here as quickly as possible cars right. are becoming faster right so i i also think the idea with mma is hey you're getting a little bit of everything in one you know so you're kind of learning three or four styles you know, every class you show up, you know, rather than having to spend so many years trying to perfect this style, this style, this style, right. you can do everything, you know, and just get what you need out of it so within t- the few years. Right. And uh, nobody wants to deal with the traditional because of, again, just what you have to go through. Look like at Nike. You know, oh, look how much yeah. it kicks our ass. Yeah. You know, and it was the same with me with um, even Taekwondo. Like, I didn't do like a... a a workout thing like my instructor was from korea he was a soldier in the korean army like and he came over and married a woman and they had a family and he decided to open up a school and i went to his school and um i mean he even spoke in korean like i had a count in korean and respond back in korean like we do in japanese for you know the the jujitsu and so nobody and what was great too was you learn more than just to kick, punch, whatever. It was the history behind it and the philosophy and just understanding, like, the art itself, you know? And nobody has the time for that. It's like, I just need to get my workout, you so know? So are, are they just modern martial artists or are they not martial artists then to you? Again, and this is, this is why, bringing it back to my thing, it depends yeah. on their purpose. If you're so purpose, doing it because so purpose you're, defines it. If you're doing it just to work out, that's great. It's a great workout. If you're doing it for a competition because it's currently the biggest thing out there, that's great. But are you is it a passion though? You know what I mean? Does or it passion versus Do you a hobby? have this lifestyle where you you wake up and you're like, you know, I got to do some leg kicks let me condition the legs you know i gotta work on my knuckles for my you know whenever i punch let me do some you know working on like a cement block or something um let me work on some katas i mean like again like what katas can you do in mma 
if there are any, besides drills. Well, that's what katas are, right? They're drills. I mean, uh, what's a kata in MMA? I feel like it's more meditative, though, like a kata. Because you're trying to get the form down. See, you haven't done a striking class. But, I mean, you're doing striking now, but you're not doing striking katas compared to a striking I've had striking... I've had the striking kata that you know, but... right. Okay, I know what you mean. Okay, I know what you mean. Because I'm, I'm thinking about myself when I do the striking kata. And then like after this you're podcast... About your, you're thinking about your target. You're yeah. trying to be deliberate with so your after, placement. So after this podcast, I'll give you an example of like just a basic like striking kata. And so you, you can understand what I'm well, saying. What you're like, trying to say. Okay. Yeah, it's all about just like muscle memory. And, you know, you're not even going quick. Like with Sensei, um, you know, the, the striking kata that I remember... You know, it was hitting the bag, doing a bunch of kicks, whatever. Then you're switching sides. All right, do it on this side, you know. Um, and that was just getting familiar with the different types of strikes there were. Um, Back but, fist, knuckle. Like yeah, yeah. Front palm. Like uh, I said, the, the thing with this striking katas, at least when I was learning, it, was, it wasn't like this thing you had to be so intense about it was more meditative, you know, and just really getting the form down. And that was the important thing, form and accuracy, you know, where you're hitting. I'm not going to hit a punch up here, punch down here. No, it's going to be straight, you know? So, so am I a martial artist too? Absolutely. Because you have a passion yeah. for it. And I'm, not waking up and doing, I'm not waking up and doing katas. No, 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 no. But you're getting your body used to the style because of the workouts you do. You're very flexible. And I remember sparring, not sparring, but like doing drills with you or like certain, I mean, you just turn into like a rag doll on me, you know? So it was very challenging for me at times when I'm trying to like take you down and you're just so loose, you know? And it it was very challenging and just like certain, I don't know, man. Like, like I said, just even the stretches that I've been doing that you introduced me to, I'm like, wow, I could see how this would benefit me if I were to get back in jujitsu or stuff. So you're doing a lot of exercising, whether you realize it or not, that can potentially pertain to what you're doing in class. Yes. Well, I'm, I, I am stretching for that. I am so stretching. I'm because- not saying like, I, I apologize if I came off like, like every day you're doing katas. No, 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 that's, <laughs> that's not the case at all. Okay. But I mean, you do train on your bag, you know, you do work on your strikes every now and then, anytime you work out, you're doing your stretching. So you stay, mobile and flexible for the next time you go to class and i mean you go two three times a week i mean that's a lot more than what most people do you know so i'd say yeah you're a martial artist absolutely okay it's weird because i've never said that you never considered yourself one i mean yes i i know i am one but i've never been like i'm a mar i've always i've always said i've trained in martial arts I don't know. I think this goes back for me, at least, not to get off topic, but it goes back to the proficiency part where I'm kind of like, if I'm not whooping everybody's ass in the first three seconds, then I'm not a, <laughs> then I'm not, I'm not a capable martial artist. That's kind of how Let I feel. Let me put it this way. When I, I went to a tech high school and I took up culinary and I chose my profession the last half of freshman year, culinary arts. I was a chef the minute I got my uniform. That's how you look at it? So you're a martial artist the because second you get a gi. I, because I was in a kitchen. I was learning how to learning my knife skills. I was learning how to cook, but I was still doing it in a professional kitchen. And I was serving the food to our little cafe, which our uh, faculty went and ate. So we fed all the teachers and whatever. I was serving in a restaurant. I was learning at the same time. 
I was a chef. Was I a certified chef? No, but I was a chef in training. Martial artists are constantly training. Even Sensei says it. He goes, I'm still learning. And you're always going to continue to learn. And after me doing this profession for 15 years, going on 15 years now, I'm still learning. Richter's still learning. You know, it's just one of those things like, yeah, we're chefs, but we're not like, we're never going to truly be a master. If that makes sense. If you had to think of a master chef, then who would you think of? A master chef? Oh, shit. Besides Besides the obvious names. I mean... What's his name? Thomas, uh, out in California at uh, the French Laundry. He's fucking outstanding. I, I know who you're talking about. Thomas Keller is his name, I think. I know. Who, I, I know. have his three books. He is outstanding. <laughs> he is. That is like the number one kitchen in my mind. Like if you, but see that that type of uh, culinary passion. Like I know for a fact, I, I, I can't do that, man. You know, I'm a more laid back guy when it comes to my cooking. Like I, I like some things rustic, you know, I'm trying to get into more like modern, uh, but I would never personally go as fancy as he, and it is like perfection every day, constantly. The guy is on a farm. Well, so, so, and, but is that his style and that's just your style? It's his style, but it's that. his passion though, is what I'm getting at because he's, his restaurant is on a farm. He's got yes. literally a hundred acres. He's got specific farms just for mushrooms and he hired someone just to make sure he always has these types of mushrooms right. at all times. And then he's got certain vegetables in another farm out there and acres of land. And it's just his, that type of passion, man, that is just like culinary perfection to me. I believe his name is Thomas Keller. Um, but yeah, so that's an example. And he's out in um, Napa Valley, I believe. In Napa Valley? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think of Francis Malman. Okay. Do you know Francis Malman? Yeah. Argentinian guy? Yeah. Um, just because I I I th- saw him cook and I thought of his style and for somebody who can replicate his personality through cooking so purely just with fire. Mm-hmm. He didn't need anything fancy. He was like, I just need seasoning and fire i know how to cook with fire yes i remember i saw him just throw steaks on coals and then just like have like split open i think you had me youtube this guy once i think i know exactly what you're talking about yeah i I remember and i I know that's a technique that many people do but just the way he placed it on the coals was different i remember just thinking the way he places steak on coals the finesse the finesse of doing that and the intent and joy that he has in doing that was so i I was just wow i I was just so blown away by just that one act or him Mm -hmm. setting up a steak uh like uh like a wooden steak with meat on it to put by open fire and he's fanning the flames to Mm -hmm. cook it over six hours as it slowly cooks from like residual heat yeah everything and he has this giant glass of red wine that he's drinking with it. It's just there was something so pure in how he cooked to himself. Yeah, yeah. I was just, but then you know I I hate defining. Not to get off topic from MMA, but I hate defining um, good good chefs or cooks, whatever you want to call them, based off of just 
how intricate the, the plating is. Right. You know, and that's what a lot of people do. You think of name the best chef that you know that you could think of, and people want to think of the fanciest looking presentation. Fancy, right. Yeah, and they go think go straight to fine dining, which don't get me wrong, is up there, but there's a lot that that doesn't have to define the greatest cooking as there are some fast food masters out there. Yeah. Barbecue pit masters and oh, it, again, it's like different styles of martial arts. Yes. You know? I was also going to say um, uh, Massimo Baltura. Uh, Massimo okay. Baltura. He, uh, he's famous for doing this. <laughs> I think it's a, like, a, like an audiophile kind of clip. But he's famous for this one dish of making the crunchy part of lasagna. Because to him growing up, that was his favorite part. He's an Italian chef. Okay. And he found a way with like a butane torch. And he like... He cooks pasta, then he turns it into a paste, and with that paste, he makes a lasagna sheet that he then like layers with the meat, and he only has this tiny corner that he then like butanes to crispiness, and then he eats it, and it's to him exactly what the crunchy piece of growing up, the crunchy piece of lasagna that he wanted, and it looks incredible, um, but that's fine dining to me, you know, but that's yeah. like. That's the opposite spectrum. That's less of I'm gonna have a glass of wine. I remember there was a video of Malman who just like gutted a fish, cooked it in a boat over like a fire he made, like I think in the boat, and then he just <laughs> and then he just he just ate it, took it apart with his hands and just ate it, and it looked amazing. And that was fantastic. Yeah. Um. And then you have you know this dude who's pasting freshly made lasagna or dried lasagna uh, uh, pasta into lasagna sheets that he's butane torching just so it's the right crispiness, yeah, like. That's fucking. That's a guy who's the opposite spectrum. Yeah. That's the passionate to a detailed, certain like intricate detail level. Mm. You know, to me, that's John Danaher when it comes to jujitsu. John Danaher's a fucking psychopath when it comes to jujitsu. He's a philosopher on. I mean, he's a philosopher in real life, but he's a philosopher on jujitsu. So it, that kind of intricate nature of it. I feel like though, with something like martial arts, you have to have the detail. Yeah. Like you look at all the great coaches, it's all the details. It's not mm-hmm. because you're sloppy. Look what happened with sloppy. You get knocked out from TJ Dillashaw's right hook. Yes. Not not to say Cody Garbrandt's the sloppiest fighter because I don't think he is, but that was a sloppy thing to keep your left hand down when you're throwing consecutive right hooks. Mm. That's you know you ask. This goes back to what we talked about in an episode when I said nobody's really apparently the 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 epitome of expert in their field when it comes right. to striking especially that's a that's not a good fundamental to have to drop your guard mm-hmm. uh, to drop your guard when you when you throw so going back to defining everything it's i wanted to get get your opinion do you define somebody by a gi or by spats i mean gi is just traditional it wear is no, it's like when a chef has to wear a chef uniform but when you have a i can cook in the clothes i'm wearing right now and people do that and right. you have Famous food truck chefs that do that. Yeah, when it comes to see, uniform <laughs> uniform is a uniform that doesn't define tradition, and it well it does, but it doesn't define your philosophy and your lifestyle. Like so, I, so would you train at a? Let's say you went to Shotokan Karate, okay. and they were all wearing compression spats, like BJJ. I wouldn't think any different of them. No. No. Okay, but but. So the uniform, the look doesn't bother you. No. So let's so let's say, to be if I could be honest with you, there are times where I thought it was annoying for certain things, 
The gi? Oh, the um, gi is absolutely annoying. Yeah, well, especially, again, jujitsu, man, because... You're, you have, you're wearing handles we're talking about, all over your body. And you're not used to this, but jujitsu, specifically, like, it is not exaggerating, like, six or seven times thicker than a traditional uniform. Oh, the jujitsu gi? Big time. And I understand why, and especially in the knee area, the padding and all that. Oh, the collar too. My collar's but, still in still in one piece for the majority yeah. of it, but a lot of it's ripped from gi chokes I, and throws. And my favorite uniform to wear was a taekwondo. It was it just was light, wasn't it? A light, just <laughs> well. So was the karate one. The karate one was similar to the jujitsu, right? Like the setup, yeah. like it's just like wrap here, wrap, oop, wrap here, wrap there, but you tied it because you're not grappling or anything, so it it holds your gi in place. You know, um, let me just fix my mic. Oh, I ended I, up whacking it. Um, so. Taekwondo, it's just a long sleeve shirt. You actually just throw it over, and it's a V-neck. There's no opening. There's no like crossing oh. over tying. Yup, you just throw on a long shirt, put a, t- a belt over it. That is probably to this day my favorite gi, a Taekwondo gi. Just no bullshit. No I bullshit. wish they made gis, uh, jujitsu gis, where you can either fasten them or way, or it'll give you the look of it's like an overlapping uniform it it wouldn't be functional well here's what i was going to get at it would be stitched in a way to where you can still do like a collar choke like you can just be able to move it to where you could get certain moves down but it won't come undone on you because that's the one thing i found annoying was constantly having to fix your gi in the middle of class or your belt gets loose and it's like jesus christ you know um and so i would say jujitsu gis are the most annoying uniform to wear but i wouldn't getting back to your topic though i to me if i saw someone yeah just wearing all compression like long sleeve whatever uh, compression shorts or whatever bullshit clothes are clothes i could care less even if they didn't do like a, a whole ranking system but the sensei knew like i know who my ranks are like okay so these so, are my newbies these right. are my so go, going to where i was gonna where, I, where i'm coming from it was uh, i'm coming from the point of again how do you define a martial artist and it really is for you kind of just the intent and purpose of why you do martial arts exactly and how and that, just your day-to-day life it's just a lifestyle and how that defines your lifestyle of yeah it. right okay yeah okay i was uh for me i think the baseline description of a martial artist is you train in the martial arts but I say you're a true martial artist when you fit that description that you said. Like when you are intent and purpose with your lifestyle of it being martial arts. There's a part of me that would that doesn't ever want to quit martial arts. There's just a fulfillment I have from it. There's a weird for like I have class tomorrow, for example. And is it out of the way for me? Yeah, I have to drive half an hour both ways to get to it. It's it's I have to rush there through traffic, through rush hour. It sucks. But it's that passion. The, the, but there's a part of it of just once you start going, it's kind of just I'm learning. It feels like you're learning about nature. There you go. Which is weird. It's yeah. weird to say, you know, you're choking and trying to break people's bones and you're learning about nature. But it feels like it when I'm in class yep. and I'm just, okay, cool. So I'm going to do a collar tie and yank down here and I'm going to try to get my hips in and I got to just put the weight over and there we go. Like it's just, yeah. But anyways... I hope you're not sore tomorrow. I hope so, too. I'm definitely going to use that TENS unit tonight before I go to bed. I was just saying you should foam roll before you leave, too. Yeah, probably. Get that out. All right. Um, No big fights coming up that I know of, so no worry about talking about that. One last thing. 
Actually, you know what? We'll save it for next time. Okay. John Wick. John Wick. Okay. John Wick. Sounds good. Okay. Have a John Wick night, everybody. All right. Peace. (laughs)